and welcome back to another episode of The Dice Are Screaming. Oh, oh. Yes, indeed. <laughs> we are the Dice Men. I am Randy. And I am Mike. And together we make the podcast known as The Dice Are Screaming. The Tinder left swipe of gaming podcasts. That's her. Oh. <laughs> oh Took yeah. a second to get that yeah. one, huh? <laughs> that one hit all over the fence. Oh. Yeah. Oh. All right, yeah, so, uh... <laughs> well, after denigrating ourselves, uh, now it's time to denigrate the rest of you. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, we got a good topic lined up tonight. We hope you enjoy it. Uh, i got a couple things to uh, give shout-outs to. Yeah, we'll, we'll hit that first. Uh. Um, we're going to go ahead and just call this episode out to the DM behind the screen. He just got a 1,000 followers on Twitter. He's now a full-fledged Twitter man, or Twitter person, or Twitter thing. Twitter quitter. There yeah, you go. Twitter critter. Yes. So congratulations like on uh, getting your thousand followers. Uh, great guy, and always check out his stuff. And uh, of course, uh, uh, Process, uh, you are a madman, and you have I've linked to your blog and your podcast. So make sure you check out that fellow as well. He is the astral platypus oh. of gaming. So that guy is awesome. And speaking astral of him. Platypus. He gave us a call in on our last episode, so we're going to get right to that. So, take it away. Hey, y'all. Froth here. <clears throat> Wanted to let you know, really enjoyed the Druid episode. I laughed several times. I like the idea of the uh, Bilderberger Illuminati Druid. So, um, I was thinking about times that I've ended up playing the first edition Druid, and it was always when... I just happened to roll high enough scores to be able to qualify. So it's always like, oh, I can actually qualify for something different. So I play a druid. And, and then it's like, oh, I'm a druid now. <laughs> just not a lot of excitement. Maybe if the shape-shifting stuff happened earlier. But um, anyway, keep up the good work. Really enjoyed it. Thanks. All right. Thank you for those kind words. Yeah, we... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, we, our condolences. Yeah, you're a druid. And, uh, yeah, <coughs> it can be fun. And, yeah, it's, for all the mockery, uh, druid is a, a legit character. You can really be a badass with one. But it takes a little bit to get up there, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, before you get to activate those really interesting powers, uh, you spend a lot of time being the, you know, wandering hobo. Uh, I'm just going to hang outside town, uh, you know, with my pet goat, Steve. Oh, yeah. It's Ted and Steve. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, uh, thank you for the call in, man, and uh, thanks for listening. So we really appreciate all the uh, hard work you guys do listening to our podcast because we know it is a labor. It is a labor of love, taking time out uh, with the, the world is full of as many podcasts as there are, and there are tons. And a great many of them, in my humble opine, are better than ours. Uh, so we're pretty much just... Straight up grateful for anybody who takes that extra time out to give us a listen. Thanks. Yeah, and um, so that'll bring us around. Uh, we're having some more fun weather here in Michigan right now, so uh, letting, us, letting you guys know that what we're suffering through. So another bout of wintry foulness is upon, and uh, yeah, we're just uh, soldiering through it. But yeah, yeah I really want to just. You know, find old man winter and yank his beer like it's a paper towel roll. Ugh. Snap! Ugh. Yeah, I had it. 
So uh, that brings us around to what are we going to talk about besides the weather tonight? And uh, yeah, it's been a rough week in the uh, OSR, so we're just going to get on to something fun for the OSR for a change. So yes, this is because let's face it, uh, you know, uh, uncharacteristic moments aside, this this is supposed to be about the celebration of old school gaming. So we're celebrating with some authentic old school game material. Well, yeah, and you the way it should be. You can't get any more authentic than this topic. Fiend Folio. Ah, uh, the acid trip of monster manuals. That's right. It is a, you know, hardbound Grateful Dead concert of a monster manual. Just weirder and weirder. You know. Yeah, and there's a lot of things we want to talk about, but we'll start off that it is a totally British product. Um, yeah, there are uh, some monsters in there by Gary Gygax and uh, Lawrence uh, Schick and a couple other TSR luminaries, but it's uh, primarily descended from the Fiend Factory of the White Dwarf magazine back when White Dwarf was more than just a miniatures catalog. Mm -hmm. And no offense, I mean, White Dwarf is, you know, beautiful stuff that they create and uh, paint and display, and I'm, so I'm not going to poo-poo that at all. Oh, yeah, they've, they've stayed true to a portion of their roots uh, in that they still highlight and celebrate a uh, major facet of gaming culture. But, let's face it, back in the day, uh, it had a lot more to offer. I yeah, mean, you it, could pick up White Dwarf and get a Traveler module, a RuneQuest, a D&D Adventure, and, you know, something else off the shelf. And, boy, did you have a lot of fun with it. But, uh, yeah, they used to have a little uh, thing in there called the Fiend Factory. And uh, the Fiend Folio is more or less a lot of that, although it's, you know, some of them were souped up and changed throughout the years. But we're going to talk about that tonight. And much like the British invasion of rock and roll, you know, until, you know, Monster Manual 2 would come out, which is the Bachman-Turner Overdrive. Oh, that, that's another topic. We're not that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Congrats <laughs> to the original Monster Manual. Uh, uh, we, we've got to give that some, what's a good proper street cred comparison? Something purely Americana here. Uh, would that be the uh, uh, Mitch Ryder in the Detroit Wheels? Of, sure, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it, uh, you know, there's a lot of classical monsters in there, you know, so uh, from all, all the mythology, but Fiend Folio is quite a trip, and uh, I'm going to touch on some subjects on that later on, but uh, let's dig into it. Uh, first of all, Mike was saying, you know, it's one of the most colorful hardbacks of its time. I mean, Deities and Demigods had a great uh, colorful cover on it, but on the Fiend Folio, you see the Githyanki, you know, just wielding a flipping sword, and you know, he's all in his gothic armor, and you're like, what in the heck am I getting into? And you open up the cover, and what do you find? You know, your first monster's on there. Let's open it up. Yeah, yeah a little, yeah, like just one page in, it's the Forlaren. Uh, yeah. Weird, and skinny, and hairy, and creepy, and gross. I just, and it, and that was the high note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The Karai, um, the Adherer, you know, yeah, you start right off in the ace, but we're not going to go down the alphabetical list of this. We're going to pick a few monsters apart, but, uh, you know, yeah, man, uh, the Brits, man, they... <laughs> they don't lack for imagination. No, and, uh, you know, one of the big things... Oh, the sweet black oil oh, of the, the poppy. Yes, you can definitely see the roots of that. <laughs> it's like Oscar Wilde <laughs> wrote... 
you know, D&D, you know. And there are some great monsters, and we're going to start with one of my favorites is the Coffer Corpse and the Sons of Kies. You know. Oh, the Coffer Corpse. And I, I, you know what? As long as we're on the page with the Coffer Corpse, giving a nod to the carotid column, I have used that many times. There's nothing like making your PCs smash their weapons uh-huh. on a stone enemy. I, I just groove on that. Uh, well, yeah, it can even happen to your plus one sword. What? It just can't break. It just did. It was polished on the chest hairs of Thor himself. Oh, uh, well, you better check that out. Damn, dude, you were robbed. I know. Dirty DM tricks. But the Coffer Corpse, another classic. Nothing like... Knock, a, knock the daylights out of it and he gets back up and then everybody has to roll a save. Ah! Oh, the whole... The dead walk! The dead live! Ah, oh, they just won't die! Oh, As yeah. if player characters are totally unused to that. You know, I, I really ought to... Slap a level cap on that. Yeah, and Sons of Kios. Wow. Creeping. (laughs) Our corpses walking around, shambling about, creeping with thick, fat worms that, if they drop on you, kill you in a matter of rounds and turn you into one. Holy cow. Talk about your grudge monster. That one was a DM dirty trick right from its inception. It it is a straight-up creature designed to hose player characters that thought they would be relatively safe. Uh, They're busy hacking and they're not paying attention to those jumping worms. Next thing you know, one of your own party is down, out, and just joined the other side in the most grotesque fashion possible. Yeah, and they turn as mummies. uh, (laughs) To add insult to injury. Four hit dice, surrounded by a zone of fear, and they regenerate. Holy cow. Yeah, you basically have a nightmare in a box, right? Kill it, kill it with fire. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, no, that was a marvelous monster, uh, which, not a surprise, the Son of Gius also inspired, did not, did it not inspire a band to name itself after that? Yes, Kius. Yeah, Kius. A little homage. Yeah, it said, uh, you know, gives a little... uh, instruction here says, Kios was an evil high priest creating the first of these creatures under instruction from an evil deity. Since then, the sons have increased considerably in numbers. <laughs> so yeah, um, actually uh, Paizo, before they uh, split off and started their own thing, did an adventure path for 3rd uh, edition oh. called Age of Worms based on the sons of Kios. Ow. Yeah. That was some good stuff. But yeah, that's just the lore part of there's a lot of things, like, of course, we have Lizard King. He can do anything. Yeah. He's the Lizard King. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, lots of doors jokes at the table back in the day. That was, uh, uh, that would have made more sense uh, to those who remember when the doors were not viewed with absolute scorn. Uh, uh, were they ever? I, by some. Well, well, the well, musical hoi polloi deemed, uh, well... Yeah, we're turning this into a rock episode rather than a revisitation of the greats of the days of yore. Well, I, it, it's kind of a thing that is inclined to happen because we did listen to a lot of music mm. and a lot of interesting music while we were reading these books all those long years ago, uh, which is highly fitting because <laughs> the book is equally trippy. Yeah, you know, and um, there's a lot of undead in here, but you have the greats like the Revenant, the ultimate... DM's favorite grudge monster of yes, all time. Yes, grudge monster. And uh, 
The Revenant, say for instance, you got a villain with good stats. You're really proud of that villain. And your player characters take that poor chump out like he was nobody's concern. Just pop, pop. Ugh. Down he goes. Well, little time goes by. Ah, and up comes the Revenant. Hell bent for leather. Ah, and may God have mercy on your soul because he will not. Ah, that undead villain then proceeds to stalk the player characters uh, slowly and painstakingly and is now possessed of all kinds of additional undead type benefits uh, including if I recall correctly being super I mean can he even be turned um no no yeah that's exactly it's the motivated word. by sheer self-will and it's not inherently evil and it cannot be turned or destroyed by clerics as Either do unholy or holy symbols or wa holy water work to affect it. Um, it just regenerates just a three hit points around no matter what until it's burned to literally just embers. I mean, you just have to reduce it down to its base components. And, you know, let's see, what did, what did you have to have to become a revenant? I remember a couple of player characters asking to come back as one. Let's see here. Dead character must have a wisdom or intelligence greater than 16 and a constitution of 18. And all their characteristics must sum to 90 or more. If both of these criteria are met, the chance for a character to become a revenant after death is 5%. Yeah. Keep that in mind, DMs. Get yourselves a copy of the old Fiend Folio. Keep tabs on your best villains, and if they've got the stats for it, high con, high intelligence, or wisdom, uh, and total stats over 90, they are a candidate for revenant. Yep, and even if the players get wise to your disguise and start just burning down to ashes every villain, the Revenant still has a chance to appear in another body. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, you know, the Revenant was in there. It's a curious one. And also in the R's, we can't go, be remiss without the Retriever. Holy cow, the Retriever. Oh, I almost forgot about those. Um, yeah, you try to blot it out. Yeah, that was not one that I... I recall easily because uh, did you patchwork one of those into the drow modules uh, um, years ago i can't recall no no i, I think we just encountered one but yeah uh yeah well it's stuck in my memory eyes oh it's basically a big cleaver handed spider the first four legs are just these huge cleavers doing 3 to 18 points of damage and it's just brutal damage and uh, four attacks per round, yeah. <laughs> Each one for three die six. If it gets a hold of one person and just mono focuses on them, they are shredded. Because this is not like a little two hit dice accident where like <laughs> it, its punch is way better than what it can handle. No, ten hit dice and an armor class a negative two. Yeah, it's it's another DM screw you monster. Yep, uh, with rays that can turn you. Just basically with fire, cold, or lightning from one of its four eyes. But then the last one is the most weirdest one. It turns you into mud, stone, gold, or lead. <laughs> now just imagine, you know, your party consists of a hapless adventurer that gets zapped by that last ray. And you determine randomly, you know, it could be mud, stone, gold, or lead. One die four, obviously. 
What if they roll three and they're gold? How many people? You don't want me in the party when that happens. Yeah, how many people are just going to be like... We're going to oh. have to haul Steve back to town and, and get him transformed back to flesh. <laughs> yeah, sure, that's what we're going to do. Yeah, that's exactly so, what we're going to do. Why are you talking to that guy in the alley? Where's Steve? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, he's been. we've been partying out your old player character for spare change to fund <laughs> our, you know... Drinking and uh, <laughs> petty cash fund for after adventures. <laughs> Cut off finger here, you know, an ear there, a nose, you know. Hey, you know, we'll just get him a regeneration spell when we finally get around to turning him back. A little short on change, so I'm selling his left leg. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, he get a lot for a leg. Yeah, so, yeah, what were you guys on over on, across the pond? Jeez, I mean, holy cow, turning people to... <laughs> Listening to Black Labbath, or Black Sabbath Sweetleaf. Little too much, huh. but yeah, so there's a lot of good monsters in here, and then there's some boners. Well, like the flump. Oh, yeah, first, like from cover to cover, this thing, the bean folio, is a giant heap of non friendlies, and the only genuinely lawful good creature in the whole pile uh, is the flump. The most ridiculous looking thing I've ever seen. A floating Portuguese man of war jellyfish that vomits on you. Ugh, I mean, disguised as a lily pad looking thing. Yeah, something. Yeah. So, you know, um, in essence, the Fiendfolio taken in and of itself can seem to a lot of people, one of the attractions of it is it's kind of like random monsters. And you're not entirely wrong on that. Yeah, a lot of these were, after all, uh, things written by fans. And, yeah, you know, they had to be tweaked a little bit before they were even publishable. Uh, because some of them were a little OP or a little underpowered. Uh, or just curiosities. Just oddball ideas and tidbits of legend that various players had and shipped off to White Dwarf. But some others were carefully thought out, uh... Big plot. Yeah, concepts. and uh, one of those was the Githyanki, the Githzerai, which tied in nicely to the mythos of D&D with the Illithid. And that was written by Charlie Strauss. Charles Strauss, who went on to be a Hugo winning, award-winning science fiction writer. Oh, did he now? Yes, he did. Oh. And uh, he wrote well, these, supposedly, uh, in an interview. Um, he stated that he made these when he was about... Uh, 13 or 14, you know, just kind of uh, did a very elaborate background on the Gezerai, who were astral warriors, or warriors from the astral plane who would descend on the primitive plane in great forces. Veterans For of a thousand. For the queen. Veterans of a thousand psychic wars. Exactly, yeah, there were scientists, and the only thing about this Yankee is that if you encounter them, they would always attack you. They're chaotic evil, they're kind of like anti-paladins and stuff like that too, and uh, fighter magic users, and multi-classed uh, scientists. But if you knew where there was an illicit, they would stop fighting you and forge a temporary alliance to go find where these illicit are and kill them. Yeah, and you have plenty of time to get away while they're hacking their way through the illicit. Uh, that, that's one thing that uh, they were designed to be the ultimate enemy of the Illithids. Uh, 
So you had one little loophole where you could yep. talk sense to them. Oh, and they're marvelous silver swords, which could cut the astral connection between a person... Projecting uh, from the prime yeah. or one of the other planes and uh, into the astral realm. Yeah, really good. And they will just continually come after you until they get it back. So you might as well just leave it on the ground. Yeah, don't take one of their silver swords. Uh, they will hunt for it. In fact, I believe... A shard of a silver sword was used as a plot point in a video game. Uh, and mm -hmm. the Yankee kept coming after it. Yeah, they'll just appear out of nowhere and just plop down and start attacking, killing everybody until they find it. So, yeah, the guests are right, but also uh, are mentioned. Uh, they're kind of the brother race, since they were the great race of Gith. And they were uh, it's all enslaved by the mind players as chattel. But the Gazeri are a little bit more neutral, although they dwelled in Limbo. Limbo of the Lost. <laughs> but yeah, they dwelled in Limbo. Um, Everybody, Limbo! Oh, no, 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 that's not that bad. And also, he was the author of The Slod. Those crazy red, green, blue, gray slot. Color-coded frog. Color frog people. Yeah, from the plane of chaos itself. So yeah, he had a lot of good... Uh, Stuff that did come out of there, and, uh, you know, um, with that comes a couple other uh, monsters, like the Grimlock. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, Welcome to... Uh, you know, the Morlocks, yeah. Yeah, might as well be uh, right out of H.G. Wells' time machine. Yep. Um, although, probably a little less, and of course, uh, who cannot forget the humble Norker? <laughs> I... I actually first encountered the Norker in one of those Brit modules. Yeah. Uh, long before I had cracked open the cover of a bean folio. Yeah, the Death Frogs, the Death Slot, or the Grey Slot, the Executioners, and of course the Weird Gods. Sendam, Lord of the Insane, and Yorgol, Lord of Entropy. So, you know, uh, the bean folio had a lot to offer it, and uh, one of the things that I did uh, after my uh, house burned down, I was uh, in a little bit of a uh, limbo. I was able to get a player's handbook for Christmas. And a uh, guy sold me a uh, copy of his DM's guide. Didn't use it anymore. And uh, we... Uh, I ended up uh, not being able to get a monster manual for my hands on a monster manual. But my uncle gave me uh, my cousin's copy of the Pinto since he didn't play it much or see much use of it. I uh, was able to get, that was my monster manual besides what was in the back of the Dungeon Master's Guide. So I took the Pink Polio Challenge long before it was a thing, before the internet. I made uh, an adventure just using nothing but the Pink Folio. And I can say this, that you can kind of run a game just out of the Pink Folio. You know, you're not going to have many dragons. You know, yeah, you have the oriental dragons that are presented there. And there's not many devils or demons in there. There's a Styx Devil, and there's, uh, I think, an Ice Demon, and uh, some of Gygax's uh, Naka Daemon, and uh, Mezo Demon, Daemon. Oh, yes, the Mezo Daemon. But they also have the Elemental Princes of Evil oh, in that as well. They so did indeed. You kind of can get its own cosmology. And, uh, you know, I noticed that some people... A couple years ago, we're doing, do the Pean Polio Challenge. You know, just run an entire campaign based out of all the monsters out of uh, the Pean Polio. And it does have a fair mixture. Yeah, I, you I have know, low-level monsters and 
Exactly. Uh, your humble norkers and things like that, or uh, particularly for under-earth campaigns. There are terrific assortments of monsters. Uh, Diseased gibberlings. Yeah, <laughs> deep down in the dark. Uh, I personally, I'm taking a side moment out to mention the Eye of Beer. That's the Black Flame. Sabbath influence. The Eye of Beer and Flame. Do, 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 do. Yeah, you know, you just hear Tony Iommi uh, cranking away. But, yeah, the, the brilliant eyes that uh, a bear skull with a red jewel in one socket and a black jewel in the other. The red gem unleashes the 12-hit dice fireball once every three melee rounds, while the black acts as a fear wand every melee round. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. There's some metal monsters in there. And, uh, of course, we can't forget the Death Knight, also by Charlie Strauss. A bunch of ex-paladins transformed into hideous abominations of evil by Demi Gorgon. And, yeah. Particularly well-remembered in the uh, Dragonlance series. A Death Knight was one of the... Yeah, they kind of scrubbed up Demi Gorgon in Takesis, but... Yeah, yeah you, know. you know, they, they filled in their own blanks here, but uh, the concept obviously struck a chord and went over well. Talk about your Nazgul's on meth. Yeah, that... Oh, yeah, that PCP for Nazgul. Um... <laughs> 20 hit dice fireball casting undead unholy knights. Yeah, it's hit dice are 9 hit dice, but the hit dice are 10-sided dice instead of 8-sided. 75% uh, magic resistance. Yeah, take that. Yeah, chew on that, mage. <laughs> no turning or dispelling, although it is affected by a holy word. Uh, <clears throat> but it has power over undead equivalent to that of a 6th level cleric. So, you know, quickly uh, taking control over or animating a group of undead. Uh, not a real challenge for a death knight. Uh, but aside from being... Uh, they, they can certainly wear light armor because their armor class is base zero, no matter what. Uh, 18 and 100% strength. In all cases, the, like the, the weakest Death Knight ever is stronger than most player characters will ever be. Uh, with a nightmare, typically, as its steed. Because, you know, I mean... It wasn't bad enough. This this crap cake needed some crap icing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I actually used one of these as a uh, hellish hitman uh, when the player characters had angered an evil god. And... You know, sent this guy to lay the smack down, show him who's who. Well, <laughs> uh, they managed to scrape their way out of it, but yeah. I'm going to tell you, uh, had it not been for somebody getting an 01 on a divine intervention, I almost had him. It was almost a TPK. Now, another uh, nice little facet I was like was the Dark Creeper and their bosses, the Dark Stalkers. You know, that strange race, and it's been uh, extrapolated upon quite a bit throughout the years in uh, D&D lore. But uh, the Dark Creepers, man, just these little uh, midgety guys with, you know, blades and they hate light. Um, not necessarily the most evil of all creatures, but definitely not your friends. And, uh, you know, they could be negotiated with, and that's the one thing that uh, I think where a little bit of maturity in the game started to settle in is that things weren't quite as black and white. Yeah, there was dark evil in the Fiend Polio for sure, but a lot of creatures were just kind of neutral. Oh, yeah. Chaotic. They were hostile, of course. A lot of shades of gray there where the chaotic and chaotic neutral creatures uh, were not really aligned 
against the party in the traditional sense. Circumstance decided whether there was going to be hostility or not. Uh, whereas Player Handbook era, sorry, first Monster Manual era, we're talking pretty clear delineation of uh, traditionally straight up against the party, uh, traditionally allied with the party. Like, oh, unicorns are good. We're in safe hands, you know. Wave oh, it's high. a It's a nice guy. Yeah, you know, and then, of course, uh, Let's have a picnic. Red Dragon, yeah, clearly your enemy. No. And there were some neutrals. I'm not saying that Monster Manual didn't have that concept in it. But they kind of took it to new heights in the Fiend Folio. It became a complicated world where, uh, while things weren't necessarily absolutely your enemy, they were not easily your friend either. They come our legs. Oh, yeah, the Giberling. Well, now the Giberlings, chaotic neutral they may be, but they're still your enemy. They're just going to attack you because they're crazy. And, uh, you know... Oh, like the Quillen. Oh, yeah. With, with the... their crazy, super sharp swords. Yeah. And the... Well, I mean, it's kind of passe now. Everybody's got that much ink. Uh, yeah. Heavily tattooed Quillen, whose uh, outlandish appearance causes confusion amongst their enemies. Yeah, uh, and... Um... Partly, I assume, based on Pickett's... Spirit Trolls. Oh, I loved the Spirit Troll. Oh, yeah. Uh, really was, a great... Uh, that was a true evil one, and it combines that trollish regeneration concept uh, with a bunch of other extra yeah. powers, including invisibility, which... Invisible regenerating troll. How yeah, much do you wizard, hate your players? Yeah, some wizard with too much time on his hands decided to crossbreed invisible stalkers and trolls. Oh, mystical arts, what have you done? <laughs> Just because you can do a thing doesn't mean you should do it. In this case, they did. Oh, which, by the way, I, I want to follow up on one thing about my druidic complaints from last week that I did not include. Oh. Everybody blames the bard for all the hap creatures that are floating around out there. Nobody pays any attention to the ranger, the shape-shifting creature man of the wild. The ranger? Yeah, everybody, or sorry, the, uh, the druid, the shape-shifting creature man of the wild whom I personally think is responsible for all those half-animal creatures out there. I'm blaming the druid. It's called shit blame, you know. He just blames the... He's out there pounding magic mushrooms, and the next next thing you know, why is there a race of half-man, half-beavers? You know, (laughs) Oh, Steve. Don't ask. But for all the uh, hate that has been visited upon the Fiend Polio, I think the AD&D game would be a lesser vehicle without it. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know... I've gotten so much mileage out of this book, I have never been one to to diss this book particular uh, release. This, although it's weird, although it's trippy, it is chock full of really nice alternative monsters, and it was part of that three-book set, man. If you had all three, you could surprise your players on a regular basis with stuff they wouldn't see coming, and I was proud to have it. I'm still proud to have this. Yeah, and more to the point, they there was a different imagination going on, and it was tapped in. Now, I'm not saying that the first... Monster Manual was a poor reflection. I mean, oh, it definitely no. covered the classics and it had some innovation. But Fire Nerds, Hook Horrors, <laughs> um, you know, oh, the the gamut the of Noble Lamia, ah, yeah, which, giving the the traditional Lamia ah, some high power backup and methods. You know, just a lot of good stuff came out of that. And I think sometimes it's the underappreciated book and uh you know some people look back at it with mixed memories i always had it 
uh, next to me because, as I said, you know, for a while, I had, that's all I had is a monster manual. And I just one day decided, hey, I'm just going to run a, a, a module just with dark creepers, gibberlings, and uh, garbugs, and gambados, and all <laughs> kinds of stuff. And, you know, the players were like, are you on drugs? We think you're on drugs. It almost led to an intervention, but uh, fortunately, you know, I just, no, I could, I just use this bean folio. Oh, well, yeah, I could definitely tell. Because <laughs> I didn't know what anything was. <laughs> Jeez, my kingdom for an orc. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, thank you, Fiend Folio, and thank you, Great Britain. Um, we owe you one. Yeah, many kudos to our crazy British cousins. This this little piece of the D&D British invasion uh, was well worth having. It's a happy memory. Well, I guess that brings us to the end of our episode. Yeah, it? we've tormented you enough, and uh, <laughs> thanks for putting up with us, uh, just rambling on about uh, various things as we page through it, and... Uh, Again, if you have any questions or comments or anything you'd like us to talk about, or if you think that we're completely off base on this, just let us know. Oh, yeah, shut us out. We're okay with it. But uh, you stay safe out there, you wild gamers, dice tossers, and screen mavens. Just keep you up the good work and keep the home fires burning. All right. Well, but until then, may, may the, the dice always roll in your, your favor. favor. We're out. See ya. <laughs>